Meet Lisa. She's 49 and noticed that her periods have become very irregular. She was skipping some months and then some months she would get it twice. After that, she started getting hot flashes and some dryness, but her biggest complaint was this extra weight around her abdomen that she'd never had before. She tried everything, but nothing seemed to help. Her doctor told her that she was going through menopause and she would just have to get used to this and likely she would probably never lose those pesky pounds. That is when she came to see me. After looking at everything, I knew that there was much more that we can do and much more that we can look at to help Lisa solve her health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about all of Lisa's struggles. Joining me on the show today to talk much more about this is Esther Blum. Now, you may remember Esther back from episode 101, Five Reasons Why You're Not Losing Weight. And so I'm so excited to have her back. Esther is an integrative dietitian and high-performance coach. She's also the author of several books, Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, and her latest book, which I'm so excited about, See You Later, Ovulator. Esther, welcome back to Health Mystery Solved. I'm so excited to have you here again. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So going through menopause is such a natural thing, right? But yet for a woman, it could be one of the most difficult times of our lives. Why is that? There are a phenomenal amount of biochemical changes that affect you basically from brain down to your vagina. So... There are hormonal shifts. The ovaries really are ready to tell you the party's over and they don't, that your body is not in a place to have a baby anymore. And so your hormone production really decreases from your ovaries dramatically and your adrenals take over. So you can experience a lot of fatigue, a lot of brain fog, night sweats, which lead to insomnia and a very poor night's sleep, irritability weight gain, gut issues, vaginal dryness, and low libido to start. So, And that's just a few. I'm sure there's a lot more. (laughs) But those those cover about, you know, 80 to 90% of the symptoms. So, and most women are not prepared for menopause. Or if they go to their doctor, the doctor pats them on the shoulder and says, yep, that's menopause but doesn't give them any remedies, any guidelines of how to get relief other than, you know, maybe a birth control pill or an IUD or one of my clients said her doctor told her to take Benadryl shots every night. Um, So, you know, you really, women are not equipped. They're not prepared to go into menopause and have the tools and testing that they know how to take control of their menopause, how to advocate for themselves and how to rebalance And reclaim their bodies. Yeah. And what I want everyone listening to know is that there is something that we can do. And that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation. Now, first, how would someone know that they're going through menopause or in menopause? 
Menopause is defined as 12 consecutive months without a period. So let's say you're a woman who gets her period regularly and then it kind of comes every other month or every six months. Every time you get that next period, you have to stop the count, uh, start the countdown clock. So you go 12 consecutive months without a period. That is menopause. And so perimenopause, which is the phase before that, can last up to 10 years for a woman. So you could be in perimenopause from age 45 to 55. You know, that's not uncommon at all. Or 40 to 50. Um, the average age of menopause is 51, for those of you who don't know that. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. Yeah. And with so many different symptoms, you know, it's no wonder that women just don't feel like themselves when they're going through this. So what can someone do to first and foremost get a baseline. Let's just say maybe they're not in menopause now, but they have a lot of friends who are going through it and they're telling them how terrible it is and that they should be afraid of it. And they're probably just, oh my gosh, like sitting there waiting. <laughs> um, and of course, there's so many different things that we can do. So does it help to get a baseline and how can people do that? Yes, it helps to get a baseline with the caveat that your estrogen levels can fluctuate as much as 30% on any given day during menopause. So a lot of doctors do not like to test because they say, well, your estrogen's just going to be a giant roller coaster ride. But so it's not even worth testing. But one thing I teach people in my book, in See You Later Ovulator, is that you can actually start bringing in bioidentical hormones in low doses while you are in perimenopause to take the edge off, to regulate your hormones. To me, the testing is worth it. And I do test everybody. I do urine tests. I look at metabolites with the Dutch complete test. And then I also do a stool test. I do a GI map. I look at an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which is going to tell me if you're going to keep reabsorbing estrogen into the gut. If you are, if your beta-glucuronidase is high and what are called your methylation or detoxification pathways are very poor on your Dutch test, then you're going to have a rough time with your hormones, even if you start at a low dose. So it's really important. I always say hormones should be like a moving stream and not a stagnant pond. You wanna make sure that what you're putting in your body is actually going to move through and out because otherwise you can experience side effects on hormones, much like when you were pregnant and your progesterone was surging, or if you go on the pill and you get, you know, breast tenderness and, you know, irritability or sleep issues, you know, you, you've got to make sure that your body is really processing or your body's in a place to process hormones if you start them. Yeah, I know that really makes sense. And I think it's so important for people if they are considering hormone support to look at those estrogen metabolites. Um, you know, I know many functional practitioners won't even put someone on support until they see that and support that first. So I 100% agree with you on that. And for those people that may not be familiar, can you just quickly go over the difference between bioidentical hormones versus like the traditional HRT? Traditional HRT is synthetic. It's made in a lab. Um, previously, in the early studies, the Women's Health Initiative studies used the urine of pregnant horses, which is not exactly bioidentical or physiological compatible with a woman's body. So bioidentical hormones are usually plant-based. They are much more compatible. They're made from wild yams, sometimes soy. 
Um, they're made in a compounding pharmacy. Now, the advantage, the, the great advantage, there, there's two great advantages to me with bioidentical hormones. Number one, they bypass the liver and the gut. So they're usually absorbed. They're, they're applied transdermally on the skin. So estrogens for a perimenopausal woman can be given in a cream, like a biased cream, or you can get an estrogen patch. And you can get also transdermal testosterone cream because women do need testosterone. It's very important. And then progesterone is usually given, I, I like to give it um, either in the form of Prometrium, which you can get at a regular pharmacy, but it's a more bioidentical form of progesterone, but it is in a base of peanut oil. So if you have peanut allergies, skip the Prometrium. Um, or you can use my favorite form, which is a troche, which is a dissolvable tablet and it dissolves in your mouth and it's absorbed straight into the bloodstream. Whereas the Prometrium does have to go through your gut and your liver. So the, the other great advantage to bioidentical hormones is that you can really customize the dosages. And this is important because Two, twofold. Number one, let's say you're having terrible hot flashes and you can't sleep. You can work with, obviously work with your doctor, but you can increase your dose incrementally in, in really small amounts um, on an estrogen patch or on estrogen cream. But if you take a regular synthetic hormone, it's much harder to adjust the dosages. Sometimes it's all in one, you know, a birth control pill, right? It's all the, it's all one dose. It's all that you can't increase your progesterone while leaving your estrogen the same. You know, it's one pill, one dose, one size fits all. So I kind of feel like hormone, traditional hormone replacements off the rack, whereas bioidentical is more couture. I like that analogy. Now, what about in terms of risks? And I've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times, but in case those that are listening may have missed those episodes, you know, some people can say, oh, well, if you take hormones, there's a potential risk of breast cancer. And a lot of those studies have actually been disproven, but I'd love to hear more from you about this. So this rampant misinformation came from that Women's Health Initiative study I just spoke about a few minutes ago, where the urine of pregnant hormones was given to women. And, and believe it or not, the first hormone replacement therapy was given in 1930s, okay? But it's taken quite a long time to get it right. The Women's Health Initiative used synthetic hormones, and the data was not processed properly. So there was correlation, but not causation of cancer in these studies. So in about 2018, the North American Menopause Society revised its position paper and said the data was not interpreted correctly. The study is not valid. Women can not only start hormone replacement in perimenopause, but they can stay on it years after menopause. And the benefits are such that they prevent Alzheimer's, heart disease, and osteoporosis. And yet, in doctor's offices, this information is not updated. It's not updated in pamphlets. It's not updated when you see your doctor. They're not giving women the information they're needing because their own information is not current. And again, this goes back to me speculating big pharma versus bioidentical hormones. There's not a lot of money made in compounding, but there's a lot of money to be made from drug companies 
that I believe is part of the root of the problem as to why women are not getting the information and the access they need to good quality menopause care. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, between everything you're saying in your book and others that are talking about this, that this information gets out there more and more because you're absolutely right. I mean, doctors still say, no, no, hormones are unsafe. Or yeah, you could do hormones, but for the shortest amount of time possible, you know, we'll do them for a year, no more than five years. You know, that was what they talked about in that study, which is obviously not true. And we know that that's the case. Well, and the other problem is, is that doctors believe um, and and we'll set up, re- they have set up regulatory standards to tell women, well, I can't prescribe you progesterone separate from estrogen. That's an off-label use of the medication. Well, think about all the women on birth control pills who are taking the pills 28 days out of the month. They're not getting the off week. And the doctor says, it's okay if you don't ever have a period. That is an off-label use of the pill. So hypocrisy abounds when it comes to dispensing, again, proper information and care for women. Um, and, And believe me, if you're in perimenopause, yes, you should be cycling progesterone. You don't need to take it throughout the month. You take it through the second half of the month in the luteal phase. But, you know, for women in menopause, yes, they can stay on it long term. And I have women in my practice I'm treating in their 70s. And the minute they, they get the, every now and then they're like, all right, I'm ready to stop hormones. And when they do, they get hot flashes. So they go right back on and they feel better. They look better. By the way, your skin elasticity is a heck of a lot better with estrogen. You know, wrinkling and crepiness and aging skin is a big complaint and concern for women going through menopause. Like their skin ages overnight. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with enabling a woman to feel absolutely gorgeous her entire life. And if it takes some hormones to do that, which by the way, will support a thousand other things. I'm all for it. I plan on staying them until the day I die. (laughs) Well, I am with you on that for sure. And that's the other thing too. I mean, obviously the anti-aging benefits in the weight loss benefits are wonderful, but also, and you mentioned this earlier from a cardiovascular perspective, right? And from the perspective of dementia, like Alzheimer's, our brain, I mean, estrogen kind of keeps all of those things working well, you know, some people will say, yes, but, you know, nature intended it this way. And of course, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Certainly, you know, I'm not here to convince someone because, you know, you want to do what you feel is right. But I think my answer would be to those that say, oh, well, nature intended this way. Maybe we leave it that way. Back then, the life expectancy was only about 50, right? So if your hormones decline at 50 and you are about to die, well, that made sense. We're living longer with all of the technology that we have. So, it's a little bit different. Would you agree? A thousand percent. And the modern lifestyle stress that we have is so far beyond. I mean, you wake up, you think about how news used to be delivered. It was delivered in the afternoon, either the morning or the afternoon paper. If you really want to spend a lot of money, you got both editions. But that's, and you watch maybe the six o'clock news. You didn't wake up check your phone, see that there's a mass shooting and riots in, you know, political places of power all in uh, under a minute, your brain is, you know, absolutely on overdrive. Your fight or flight centers are massively overactivated. And so, yeah, you're, you know, and stress, that level of stress 
bottoms out your progesterone and puts you in an estrogen dominant place really quickly. So, you know, I think you have to adapt to what our current conditions are and that it's okay to adapt and it's okay to roll with the changes and look at the medical research on how supportive the hormones are for degenerative diseases. If you think about degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and heart disease, they don't just show up when you're 75. They start 20 years prior, which is exactly when you are in perimenopause and or menopause. And the cognitive benefits, this is why I think women are so criminally underserved when it comes to hormones, because you know, every woman should be given the opportunity to have access and use hormones, short-term and long-term. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Now, with hormones, I think when people first hear about whether it's HRT or bioidenticals, you know, they think, okay, well, once I start to not have a period anymore and I have the symptoms, the hot flashes, the dryness and all those things, maybe then I'll use some hormones. But you're saying that we can actually use them earlier, right? Yes, you can start in perimenopause. And, um, you know, many of my clients, the way they start is with progesterone. And initially, it may be topical. I give it to them in the form of drops that you apply topically to your skin, like on the inside of your elbows um, or your wrists, and you rub it in the second half of the month, the luteal phase, because that's the time... And everyone who's gone through this will be like nodding their head like that's when your insomnia really kicks in is before your period. Your sleep gets a lot worse. You're more irritable. Your breasts may be swollen and tender. So the progesterone is kind of this natural chill pill. It makes GABA, which is a calming neurotransmitter. It really helps support your sleep. And so you can absolutely start that. And during perimenopause. And for my clients who have super low progesterone and no ovarian reserves, I mean, or super low ovarian reserves, then yes, they can start progesterone every day throughout their cycles, even if they're getting their cycles. And it also, the nice thing is that women who are experiencing estrogen dominance or relative estrogen dominance during perimenopause, you know, when you add in progesterone to offset that wildly running estrogen, you know, your blood clots stop, your flow slows down because most of those women are getting heavy, heavy surges. And these days where, I mean, I've had clients who have to change a tampon or pad every 30 to 60 minutes. I have had one client who literally bled into her shoes at work. Like we, that is not okay. Nobody, I look at these tampon commercials of women jumping on trampolines. I'm like, I don't want to jump on a trampoline or like do anything crazy on my cycle. I just want to rest and relax and maybe go for a walk and not have cramps, you know? So like, so yeah, so starting during perimenopause can be really, really, really helpful. Is this something that a Dutch test can help with? And how would someone know that they might be ready to start? Is it just symptoms? Because there are some people who have these symptoms, the heavy periods, the breast tenderness, you know, a lot of those estrogen dominant symptoms, they may be having those symptoms from, you know, when they're 20 because they've had estrogen dominance during, you know, maybe because of past birth control pill use or just other detox pathway issues. That's right. And so for someone who has like, let's just talk about coming off the pill for a minute because a lot of women are on the pill up until perimenopause and then have to transition to hormones, right? So yes, the Dutch test is a great way to look at your metabolites 
Um, and it looks at your progesterones, your estrogens, and your testosterone. There's 21, seven of each, so 21 in all. And it looks at your detoxification pathways and are your hormones moving through your liver? Are they moving through your gut? Are they, what are the ratios of hormones to each other? And so for women who are still getting their period, you know, you can absolutely still be a candidate for progesterone in those cases. And you can tell this when you do the Dutch. And so for other women, right, who are on the pill, but want, but know they're in perimenopause or on an IUD and want to have it taken out and go through menopause, you know, a lot of doctors will say, well, let's just keep you on the pill or let's just keep you on the IUD until you're menopausal. But those, the problem is, is that birth control naturally it's the design is to suppress progesterone. So you cannot ovulate or it will thin out the mucus lining in the cervix. So eggs can't be implanted, but there is a lot of suppression happening there, which drives your hormones low. Now in a, in an environment where your body is already naturally declining its production of hormones then keeping someone on the birth control is not ideal. And I know it's frustrating, ladies, because I know you want to use it for birth control because, yes, you can still get pregnant in perimenopause, right? It's nature's cruel joke. My mother likes to say, she was a postpartum nurse, and she would say, all it takes is one drop, but she's absolutely right. So, yes, you can stay on it if you want the birth control benefit, but I would say your best benefit is to start, is to do your tests and start bringing in bioidentical hormones and just gently shift your body to the next level. Because the other thing is this, when you are postmenopausal, your body doesn't need the high levels of hormones present in birth control. It just needs about a fifth of the dose, which is what bioidentical hormones provide. Now with blood work or Dutch test, if someone is postmenopausal and is using hormones, are you looking for their levels to be kind of where they were when that person was say in their thirties? Or are you looking at different levels then? Because I know you're using less of it, but are you trying to get it to the same level or lower? It can be lower, but there is a threshold like for bone density. You know, you, you want to make sure there are certain levels known to be the most beneficial for preventing osteoporosis, um, preventing, you know, vaginal atrophy, mm. which will cause that absolute dryness due to lack of production of moisture and hydration. So, yes, you, you don't need it to be the levels in your 30. You're not trying to make a baby but you are needing enough to keep your bones strong, to keep your heart healthy, to keep your cognition sharp and to keep your hot flashes at bay. So some of my clients do end up needing higher levels of estrogen just to get those hot flashes under control, even if they're older. But most people, for the most part, can have you know a, a fairly low level of hormones. So it's really incredibly gentle. It's not you know, we're not looking to jack you up. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So in a blood test, because that's something, you know, a Dutch test is amazing, but not all doctors are willing to run it, especially if they're more conventional. But a lot of doctors will do, you know, at least your basic, like a total estrogens and an estradiol and a progesterone and a probably a total and a free testosterone. If someone is um, in menopause and is doing hormone support, do you have ranges of where they 
should ideally aim to be um, in a typical blood test? I, I can give rough ranges, but I always defer to the doctor they're working with too. So yes, I it's funny. In the book, I don't even give the ranges either because I just, you know, that's something that you you work on with your doctor for sure. Um, but yes, there, there are absolute targets and a functional medicine doctor is going to have different targets than a conventional doctor. That's a good point. So that's why I was like, I debated it for about a millisecond. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to leave this to the experts who do that part. Right. Okay. But that is important only because there are some people, and I've seen this even in the functional medicine space as well. And I think this can happen with sex hormones. I've seen this with thyroid, which you know is one of my main specialties, where there's some doctors who think more is better even in the functional medicine space. Oh, you're still not 100%. Great, let's give you more. Oh, you're still feeling a bit of this? Yes, let's give you more. But I do think there's the upper um, threshold of that as well, right? There is. And guess what else? You cannot out-hormone your lifestyle. So maybe you actually don't need more hormones. Maybe you actually need to go to bed sometime between 10 to 30 and get up at 6 and get a real consistent pattern of healthy sleep during normal business hours, right? Where your body can make growth hormones, where your adrenals can reset and repair themselves. Um, maybe you shut off the news and in, and in the mornings you get out in fresh air and sunlight for a walk in the morning and you do some strength training and you clean up your diet and optimize your protein intake. You know, all of those pieces need to be in place for your hormone therapy to do its job. Don't just rely on the hormone the way you would, you know, a drug to lower your cholesterol. It's always lifestyle. Always has to be a partnership with lifestyle and diet. That is a very, very good point because, yeah, I mean, hormones are amazing, but they're also not magicians either, right? It's a combination. That's right. It's like taking supplements and saying, oh, well, I take a B-complex so I can eat you know, bags of M&Ms and fast food every day. No, that's not actually how it works, people. Got to do one and the other, not one or the yeah. other. Now, when it comes to hormones, obviously every doctor is going to have their preference. Um, I know you said that typically you would use a progesterone um, topically at first, and then the dissolvable, and then estrogen, um, you like creams. I wanted to ask your opinion on implants because that's kind of a really big thing right now. And I know there's you know, different opinions on it. How do you feel about those? I'm so glad you mentioned that. So let me just re just circle back one minute on the estrogen. So estrogen, yeah, I typically like a patch, but also vaginally estrogen is amazing for treating vaginal dryness and restoring um, collagen and elasticity and hydration to the vaginal walls. So, and, and you can use vaginal estrogen as a form of HRT, right? And, and especially vaginal progesterone can also be very protective of the uterus, but you can also just use a microdose of estrogen just for hydration and not hormone replacement. So not a single published study has been done on implants, number one. So number two, it is very difficult for your body to regulate a six-month dose of pellets. 
It has no regulation as to will they be released all at once? Will they be released only over six months? An estrogen patch will last you two to three days. So very small amounts get like microdoses get absorbed in the bloodstream. When you do pellets, you're getting the whole kit and caboodle all at once. You're front loading your hormones. Your hormone levels jack up. So if you've been very deficient, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I feel awesome, man. And you're going to feel really great for a while. And then once the hormones start to decrease, even though the levels are way higher than they need to be, you're going to feel in a state like you are in a state of withdrawal. You're going to feel tired again. You may feel more irritable, more sluggish, have more brain fog. So I do not like pellets. Pellets are also a surgical procedure. You have to have that your tush cut into and the pellets are inserted and then closed back up. So you have risk of infection. And they're expensive too. So I am not a fan. And you can definitely follow the amazing work of Sean Tassone, who is a holistic gynecologist. And he does, uh, you know, he's written many articles and talked about the unsafe practice of using pellets. That is great to know um, because I know there's a lot of controversy about it. You know, the the BioT, which is the company that's really sort of taking over and they, there's so much marketing dollars um, that are spent on that. And I, over the last couple of months, I can't even count on like two hands how many people ask me, hey, have you heard of BioT? I heard it's amazing. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, they must be really marketing because everyone has been asking me. And this is not my specialty because thyroid is much more of what I do, which is why I love having you on to talk about this. But even with my kind of lesser knowledge, you know, just from the common sense perspective, like you're saying, like you're getting everything in one, like how does the body know that, you know, because they say, oh, the body knows, it just gives you a little bit every day, but how, right? Like it doesn't quite make sense. Well, and let me tell you the women I've seen in practice, I look at, at, I have one client who loves, loves, loves her pellets. When I look at her labs, they are off the charts. Her testosterone is so, so, so high. And the doctors say, no, no, we want it that high. I'm like, that is not okay. Number one. Number two, my other clients who have gotten it, uh, they gained about 10 pounds, what felt like overnight. I'm not, this is dramatic. And they're like, uh, yeah, what's the deal with that? I was like, well, I never recommended pellets. I told you to get a transdermal cream. So, you know, and some women want it because it's convenient. You don't have to keep taking things every day and applying creams, but I'm sorry, I'll take my slow, gentle creams any day and have control over the amounts going in my body rather than just leaving it all up to fate saying, here we go. Hope this works out. <laughs> That's not the best plan to have, in my opinion. Right. And in practice, I mean, just clinically, you know, do I have clinical studies myself? No, but my private practice is like a mini, you know, pri- it's like a mini scientific study. And I just, I witness and see, I see the labs, I see them, their symptoms. It's not good. And you have to wait until it gets out of your system before you can really get back on hormones. So it's just not a great situation. Right. Now, can you take a pellet out? I mean, before time, I guess you can, right? If there's some issue. Not typically, no. Mm. I, 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 you know, that would be a great question to ask those places that do it, but typically they don't take them out. Okay. So you have to kind of suffer through until it gets out of your system because you can't start a cream if you're still getting these other hormones. That's correct. Right. 
Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is something that Lisa was experiencing, is the weight gain that comes with menopause almost overnight, kind of like you mentioned with the uh, pellets, but it happens to so many people and that's sort of like dreaded menopause. (laughs) So why does that happen? And do the hormones help with this? And if so, how quickly? And what else can people do to support that? So the menopause happens. And and when I say menopause, it's really you know, that midsection stubborn body fat, maybe it's a roll, it's a muffin top turns into a cake top, you know, and people don't gain weight typically anywhere else, maybe breast tissue, but for the most part, it tends to all go to the midsection. This is really caused by a drop in estrogen and progesterone and or testosterone and a spike in cortisol, which is a stress hormone that tends to Store it's small amounts are beneficial, right? Like after a workout, you want your cortisol to be up. Um, but after the workout, you want your cortisol to come down. So when estrogen and progesterone drop, your cortisol really can spike and store your food as fat, break down muscle as well, and interfere with sleep. And when you're not sleeping well, then you also can get high cortisol and the high cortisol interferes with sleep. It becomes a vicious cycle. And within two weeks of insomnia, your blood glucose management really declines and you really tend to gain weight quite easily. It is absolutely reversible with hormones, but with lifestyle and diet too. So hormones can take Anywhere, you know, it's a minimum of three months before your tissues fully saturate with hormones. So I say give it six to 12 months, which is not what everyone wants to hear. But I, you can absolutely lose weight postmenopause, but it takes time. Your body needs to recalibrate itself. And you can also build muscle postmenopause. It just takes time, diligence, and consistency. It takes consistency with your diet. You need more protein as you age, not less. And most women are really struggling to reach their protein goals. How much protein should you have? You should have one gram per pound of ideal body weight. The average person needs around four to six ounces at a meal at least three times a day. If you are someone who enjoys intermittent fasting and feels really good on it and you're only eating two meals a day, then make sure you're getting at least 50 to 55 grams of protein in both of those meals. You can also make sure that you are keeping your carbs uh, lower than your protein. So I do recommend like people track their food, just go to any app that's, you know, Apple Watch or MyFitnessPal, any free app, and you track and you say, all right, if, if my goal is to get, let's say I'm five foot six, my ideal body weight is 130. So I aim for 130 grams of protein. Keep your carbs lower than that. Keep them at 120, 110, 100. This is formulaic. It works every time. I've been doing this. I put this in my book. I've been doing this in practice a long time. Just getting your protein ratios higher than your carbs will stabilize your blood sugar, control your blood, uh, control your sugar cravings, and optimize your sleep. Most people don't realize that their sleep is disrupted due to poor insulin management and a bottoming out of insulin at three in the morning and your cortisol shoots up, okay? 
Ditching booze is also really important. Don't hate the player. People hate the game. But, you know, not only for menopause, but for thyroid function too, you know, ditching the booze makes a big difference. You'll find your liver doesn't tolerate as well. Anyway, you get hangovers much more easily um, when you have booze as we age. So ditch the, ditch the booze. Be careful with caffeine. Watch your tolerance. It may be interfering with your sleep. Um, and then strength training, you know, two, at least two times a week, you can do three. The research shows no greater benefit for postmenopausal women's strength training three days a week versus two. But I just enjoy doing it three days a week. So I do. But building muscle is really, really, really important. That will also optimize your bone density. It will optimize your insulin sensitivity. It will help you burn body fat and lose that menopause. So again, the lifestyle with the hormones, not just the hormones. Well, that sounds perfect. Esther, you are just such a wealth of information. Thank you so much for all of this. Now, your book just got released, and I'm so excited about it. Where can people pick it up? Where is it available? People can pick it up at local bookstores. You can pick it up at Barnes & Noble. We are getting it into specialty bookstores as well. And of course, on Amazon. Um, in digital and in print. Wonderful. And for those who want to connect with you, uh, how can they do that? Where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Gorgeous Esther. And definitely be sure to sign up for my newsletter at estherblum.com. It drops on Saturdays. I have lots of beautiful gifts for people who sign up. Um, and the content there is exclusive. It's not on Instagram. So make sure that you get extra information. Heads up. I'm going to be launching many exciting programs coming up. So get on my list to find out. Oh, that all sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited about your book and just really appreciate all the information. Thank you. Hormones are complicated and there's quite a bit there. But as you just heard, there's also a lot that we can do. In Lisa's case, I wanted to see exactly what was happening. And so we ran a Dutch test, which is a urine test for hormones. In that test, I saw that she was very low in DHEA as well as DHEA-S. She was also low in testosterone and progesterone and her estrogen was on a lower end as well, but the progesterone and the DHEA were the lowest. And so that is where we started. We did a little bit of DHEA. And the reason why this is so helpful is because DHEA is actually the precursor to both estrogen and testosterone. And it's something that naturally declines as we age and tends to go lower and lower as we get into our 30s, 40s, and then 50s. And so we did DHEA. And then I also supported her with progesterone in the evenings and we cycled it 14 days on and 14 days off. As we started doing that, we also worked on her adrenal glands. I saw that her cortisol pattern was a little bit off. Her cortisol was a little bit lower in the morning where really ideally it should be at its highest. And then it was higher at night where ideally it should be lower. So it was that sort of textbook reverse cortisol curve. And so for that, we use the adrenal cortex, which is an adrenal glandular in the morning, 
and then some PS150, which is a phosphatidylserine product that helps to lower cortisol in the evening to help get her into a more balanced curve while also talking a lot about balancing her blood sugar, eating clean, and doing some mind-body work to really help the stress from that angle as well. After six weeks on this protocol, Lisa already started to feel an improvement. She had less hot flashes, more energy, and she lost two pounds. Now, I know it may seem like, well, it's two pounds in six weeks, but remember, she hasn't been able to lose an ounce for a while, and she tried everything. And we did two pounds in six weeks. So I know it doesn't seem like that much, but when nothing was moving, it was progress for sure. As we were working on this, Lisa also needed a little bit of estrogen support. So we worked with her doctor to get a bioidentical estrogen prescription. We did a little bit of estrogen while also supporting with the DHEA and the progesterone. And then she noticed even more of an improvement. Her dryness was gone. The hot flashes were completely gone and she lost three more pounds over the next six weeks. Now she had about 10 pounds to lose. We were down five. And so as she continues, I know that we're gonna see the other five come along very soon. Lisa was so excited about this. And of course, I was thrilled as well. If Lisa sounds like someone you know, or you know anyone that's struggling with perimenopause and menopause, please share this episode with them. And also be sure that you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. As always, when it comes to your health issues, please know that there's so much that you can do and the answers are out there and there definitely is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.